and 50. Are you washed in the blood? And we'll be seeing the first, second, and the last verse. fellowship.
As you all make your way back to your seats, our uh, final song for this morning will be page 463, Blessed Assurance. Page 463, we'll be singing all three verses. singing this morning. I'd appreciate you being here in the house of the Lord. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to get more bow ties. I had more comments about my bow tie today. And uh, but anyways, uh, I appreciate that. I got this for Faith. Uh, she's having her sports banquet in, um, in a couple weeks and that's her school colors. So I got that and uh, um, trying to match her a little bit. And so um, I thought I'd try it out this morning and I guess it was a I, I kind of feel weird because I'm used to something dangling there, and I'm, but I'm like, I don't have a tie on. But anyway, so I do appreciate you being here this morning. We're going to be in Joshua chapter number seven. Again, I've been, I've been in the book of Joshua for some time, just studying it out. And um, there's a lot of good stuff in Joshua. And uh, uh, I hope and pray that this will be a blessing to you. I've called this message, My Aching, Breaking Heart. My Aching, Breaking Heart. Uh, kind of clever, uh, not very good message, but it was a good title. So anyways, I do appreciate you being here. Um, uh, in Joshua chapter number 7, verses 1 through 26, I'm not going to read it all right now at this point, but we'll read over uh, most of it. Israel's just been through 
been involved in a great military conquest. I mean, they've had some great victories. They've witnessed the amazing defeat of the city of Jericho. If you remember the story, what happened, they marched around the city uh, 13 times in six days, and they blew their trumpets, and they blew their horns, and, and, and they, they shouted, and the, and the walls fell flat. What a great, what a wonderful thing. Can you imagine? Put yourself back in that time. Put yourself in that, uh, uh, what's going on here, and imagine... Uh, seeing God give you the victory. Just imagine that for a moment. They conquered Jericho without firing a shot. And they're, they're still kind of basking in the glow of their great victory here. And, and they're, they're certain that uh, every obstacle that comes their way, they're able to destroy it. They're able, now they're, they're you ever been there? I mean, you, you've just experienced the mountaintop victories and you're thinking, come on, I can take on the world. Well, that's where Israel's at at this point. And uh, however, let's read verse 1. Let's see what it says. It says, uh, it says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for how you speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll take this simple message this morning, apply it to our hearts and lives, that we may be better servants for you. Lord, in realizing this morning, there's nothing that is hid from you. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our minds, Lord, you know our ways. And Lord, I pray that we would commit our ways, our faults, our sins, that we've committed, that we've sinned against you. Lord, we commit those to you this morning. Lord, that we would draw nigh to you as you draw nigh to us. And Lord, that we would be experience the victory in our own lives. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Again, if there's one here that doesn't know you, may today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 1 here reveals the truth that God is upset with Israel. Israel thought that everything was right, that they thought that they, they were standing on the edge of great, uh, a great string of victories here, like I said, and, and that they would, they would uh, be able to conquer anything that came their way, and they're, they're getting ready to uh, destroy and get into the land of promise. Uh, but we notice the word but here in verse 1. Uh, it signals a change of fortunes for Israel. Up to now, they had been blessed and greatly used of the Lord, and they've seen some great victories. They thought that they were unstoppable, unbeatable, and that, but there was, they were on the verge of a very serious problem in their midst. There was one thing uh, among them, or one person among them, who was causing a problem for Israel. The same scenario is still possible for us today. We're all members of one body, Putnamville Baptist Church, one body here. We all know that when one member of the body has uh, hurts, we all hurt. If you don't believe me, let's use our physical bodies. I want you to, I'm going to go get a hammer, and I'm looking for a volunteer. Anybody want to volunteer for this one? Uh, John, you're always a good volunteer. I'll put your hand up here, and I'm going to just take the sledgehammer, and I'm just going to hit your hand real hard. Now, you're going to hurt all over. 
It's not just going to be your hand that hurts. You're going to hurt all over. And your whole body, I remember Brother uh, Noble saying that. He says, you know, I hit my thumb one time. I hit the wrong nail. And he said, my other hand, it didn't say, oh, you stupid finger. I can't believe it. He said, no, my other hand went over like this. And then my lips went like this. And I started going, because it was hurting. He says, we all hurt. And that's how it is. You know, when one of us are hurting, we all hurt. When, when one of us are experiencing victories, we all are, should be able to experience a victory. And this is what is happening. The, the body, when the body has problems, the entire, or one person has problems, the entire body suffers from it. Your spiritual condition has a profound effect on the entire church. You are not an island secluded off to yourself. What you do affects the entire church body. See, I don't believe that. It does. And you'll see this truth illustrated in our text today. My desire in preaching this message here this morning was that we would examine our hearts and lives. And if there be anything in any of us that we think we have hidden, we've got everybody else fooled, that God would bring that to the forefront this morning and that we would bring that to the Lord and we'd say, Lord, forgive me for where I've sinned and forgive me for this. And if there may be confession of sins that need to be come out in the church, I don't know, however the Lord works this morning, I'm just asking you to be obedient and hearken unto His voice this morning. The fact is this, there are some things you just can't hide. Now think about this. My wife knows every time I have SpaghettiOs. And the reason why is because I put on a bunch of garlic, don't I, hun? I put garlic powder on that and I just, because I, I love garlic. So she knows every, you can't hide it. I mean, I can have SpaghettiOs in the morning and in the evening she says, you had SpaghettiOs, didn't you? She can smell that. Hey, when, when I have onions, you know, everybody in here will know that I have onions. I mean, you can smell it. When I'm preaching, you can smell it, all right? I mean, there's just some things. Let me go a couple weeks without putting on deodorant or taking a bath. You're going to notice there's some things that you just can't hide. Well, that's the way sin is. Eventually, it's going to come out. Eventually everybody's going to know about it. Eventually, everybody's going to smell them armpits. You know, that's what happens. See, we may not want to admit it, but we all know that sin causes problems. It causes problems for the one sinning, and it causes problems for everyone around them. It's kind of like throwing a pebble into it. You ever done that, throw a pebble into a lake, and you see those ripples? You know, that... That, that pebble or that rock just went into the water. Why didn't it just stay there? No, it had a rippling effect. And if you watch it, it ripples all through that lake or that pond or whatever. And that's what happens in the Christian life when we sin. It affects others. Most of us are just like Achan from time to time. We allow sin into our lives. We try to hide those sins and we try to cover them up. When we do, we bring pain and trouble into our lives. And these verses are going to teach us some things about that this morning. And this message, my Achan breaking heart. And then I want you to notice just three or four thoughts this morning. Notice first in verses 2 through 5 the terrible slaughter that happens. Look there in verse 2. The Bible says, And Joshua sent men unto Jericho to Ai, which is beside 
Beth Aben, and on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, uh, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men and they fled before the men of Ai and the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men for they chased them from before the gate even at Sherbarim and smote them in the going down wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water notice there's a terrible slaughter that happens here they were now if you read here in verse 2 and 3, they're determined people. They're, they're determined to get the victory. They've got, they've got their mindset. Israel was still basking in their victory of Jericho. And when Israel, they looked at Ai, they're looking down at Ai and saying, Hey, well, the, we don't need to send all these people. Uh, just send about two to 3,000 people. They're certain that this little town, Ai, would be no problem for such a great army as them. Kind of sounds like us when we get puffed up in our pride. Oh, well, I can handle this. You know, Israel was a confident people, but a close look reveals that their confidence was misplaced. Their confidence was misplaced. They believed that just a few soldiers are needed to secure the victory. In Ai, Israel was guilty of resting in their past victories or their past successes, Israel didn't, did not realize it, but they were living through one of the most dangerous times of their life. And I'll tell you this, it's the most dangerous times in our lives. The time just after a great spiritual victory in our lives is probably the most dangerous times. Often, like Israel, we will be overconfident and believe that we can handle any battle that there is that comes our way. And we believe like that, and when we believe like that, we are about to suffer a great defeat. You see, confidence is a good thing as long as our confidence is in the right place. See, when we are walking with our hope and our confidence in the Lord, hey, you're in a good position, you're in a good place. But when we will have our confidence in our abilities, in our powers, and the things that we can do in the flesh, then we are destined for failure. But then I want you to notice the defeated people. Then in verses 3 through 5 there, when Israel went up to Ai, they suffered a terrible defeat of 36 men. 36 men were killed. This must have been devastating to the Israelites. The ramification of this defeat, think about this, because there was sin in the camp. 36 men died. 36 sets of children lost their fathers. 36 mothers lost their sons, maybe. Uh, 36 uh, widows out there. It was all a high price of sin. Now, was it the sin on their fault? Think about that. Remember I talk about the rippling effect? You see, when we take the time to look more closely at their actions, it's easy to see that they made several mistakes here. Number one, they didn't consult the Lord. Let me tell you, you're going to face a spiritual defeat when you don't consult the Lord. Nowhere in this passage does it even hint that Joshua and the people of Israel sought the will of God 
in dealing with AI. They didn't even pray about the matter. If they had, God would have revealed the problem to them right away and said, hey, Joshua, don't go because, hey, there's sin in the camp and you need to deal with that sin in the camp. See, we, we will rush into life and expect the Lord to bail us out of our messes that we make. It's far better to consult God before we make a mess of things than to expect God to clean up our mess after we made it. They didn't consult the Lord, but they also didn't carry. They didn't carry some special things. The Bible says here that they didn't take the Ark of the Covenant with them. Now, the Ark symbolized the presence and the power of God with Israel. They went into battle in their own strength. Without the power of God, they failed. Let me mention to you one more time, listen very carefully, anytime you go into a battle without the Lord's help, you will fail. You're going to fail. Oh, you may have a victory from now... Every once in a while, you may have some and be able to put on a front for everybody else. But you're going to fail. See, here is an area where we could use all, we'll all use the help. We try to live the Christian life, fight the flesh, fight the, uh, the flesh and the devil in our own power. And we fail time and time and time and time again. The reason we did not take the time to strengthen our walk with God. When we are walking with the Lord and in His Word, as we should be, we can be confident in the battles of life that we face. Hey, I didn't say that you're not going to uh, uh, see setbacks. I didn't say that you're not going to have failures and problems and things like that. I'm saying this, but when you're going through those things, the Lord is there to, uh, to pick you up and to guide you and direct you. We're walking with the Lord and in His Word as we should be. We are confident in the battles of life and face our enemy in the strength of God. Let me ask you, who killed the giant? David or God? See, David himself answers that question in 1 Samuel 17, 47. He said the, the Lord delivered him. We need to be, all take that heed to that. When you are experiencing victories, it's not, huh, look what I've done. It's look what God has done. Put the victory, hey, give him recognition for all the victories that you've, because it's not you. If you're anything like me, it takes everything within my own power to get up sometimes. I need his help daily, hourly, minute, second. I need it every hour I need thee. How many times have we suffered defeat because we believed we could take care of the matter in our own selves? We couldn't get the job done. We all need the Lord if we would enjoy the spiritual victories of our lives. But then I want you to notice, not only did they not consult God, they didn't carry special things, and then they didn't care. They didn't care. Israel was not willing to put everything they had into the job that they were called to do. Look there again in verse 3. Look there, it says, And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And might not all the people to, uh, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few." They didn't care. 
See, they didn't see the task at hand as being worth the effort it would require. Sometimes we think, ah, maybe it's teaching junior church, maybe it's teaching children, teaching, ah, I could just go back to a story that I know so well. Oh, I can just do this, or I can just do that. Whatever the case is, we've got to put our best efforts into it. We've got to, we've got to just say, ah, it's not worth it. It's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. When you're doing anything for the Lord, it takes every ounce of our, uh, of our effort as well. God does give us the victories, and God does do the, but we need to put our effort in as well. But then I want you to notice they were distressed people. After their terrible defeat at the hand of Ai, the people of Israel are feeling the same fear that their enemies experience. This is one of the major problems with sin. If it, it, defect, it defeats you and leaves you feeling broken, unused, and confused. Nothing is right in your life as a believer while there is sin in your heart. Have you ever had a time like this in your spiritual life? I have, and most of the time it is a result from allowing other things to take the place of God in my life. But then I want you to notice number two, the terrible summons. I'm going to read the verses there in verses 6 through 15. Israel didn't know what was wrong. They had no idea. And all they knew was that they had just suffered their first defeat. By the way, this would be their only defeat. God wants his people to have the victory and not, uh, not the defeat. So he takes the necessary steps to reveal to the nation of Israel just exactly what the problem is. Number one, Joshua's amazement. Notice this in verse 6 through 9. It says this, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord unto the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall uh, environ uh, us round and, and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Notice here, after this tragedy occurs, Joshua finds himself before the Lord in prayer. His prayer is from a broken heart there in verse 6. You see that still there's also a hint of anger and accusation at the Lord. Hey, does this not sound like us so many times? When we, when we get beat up, something happens in our life. We're like, God, why didn't you do this? Why did this happen to me? I don't understand. We start questioning God. See, his prayer is of a broken heart, but he has anger. And Joshua is going to learn that prayer is the correct recourse in the time of trouble. He also will learn that prayer will avail nothing until sin has been dealt with. Joshua wonders why Israel was powerless in battle. The answer would not be found in blaming God or in disputing his, his will the answer would be found in their own hearts. 
After we have made decisions that bring terrible consequences, it's too late to play the blame game. Well, God, it's never the right time to accuse God of anything. This has been what's going on since the beginning of time. When there's a tragedy in our lives, we need to look within and see where the problem lies. When there's a lack of power in my life, the problem is not with God and His power. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He has not lost one ounce of His power. The problem lies within me. The same is true in the church. When there is powerlessness in the church uh, and souls aren't being saved, when the services are dull and lifeless, we need not to blame the Lord. He's doing His part. The problem lies within us. Well, God, I don't understand why I'm not, my, you're not speaking to my heart. Maybe it's because your heart's not right with Him. But then once you notice God's announcement... There in verse 10 it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou uh, thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have ever even taken of their cursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and, uh, and they have put it even among their own stuff. While Joshua and Israel tried to figure out what was happening, God in heaven already knew what was going on and he's revealing to Joshua. He tells him that there is sin in the camp. He tells Joshua that sin is why he's withholding his power and allowing them to be defeated. Think about that for a moment. He's telling Joshua how to discover the guilty party here also. And these words of Joshua, to Joshua, God gives us some insights into sin. We need to pay attention to what God is saying here in these verses. Allow me to share with you just a few things here as I've observed this. Notice this, that God knows about our sins. Look there again in verse 11. It says, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I've commanded them. God knows your heart. You're not hiding anything from God. But then God hates our sin. God hates our sin. He says there again in verse 11, For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen this dissembled also, and, uh, and they have put it even among their own stuff. It offends him, and he will not simply look the other way. Then God has a plan for our sins. Look there in verse 14. It says, In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to the, your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall uh, come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the households which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed and the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. He wants us to get honest about our condition. He expects confession and repentance. But then also God will punish our sins. Punish us for our sins. There's always a price to pay for rebellion and disobedience. Sin always affects those around us. 
Again in verse 11 and 12. No one sins in a vacuum. Your sins and mine have the ability of dis, uh, distracting, uh, drastically lowering the spiritual temperature of the church. We are all one body and the effects, it affects all of us. Sin hinders God's work both in our lives and His church. Sin will be dealt with. Either you and I will deal with our sins or God will deal with them. I can tell you this. Just a warning. You better deal with your sin. I'd much rather me deal with my sin. You see, it's not the water on the outside of the boat that is the problem. It's the water that's inside the boat that's the problem, causes the problem. The same is true in the church. Often the greatest problems we faced by the church is not come from without, but come from within. More often than not, when there are defeats, problems, and troubles down at the house of God, you can bet that there is someone in the church that is out of the will of God. When there is a lack of uh, His manifest power and presence in our lives, it's because there is a problem with us. Let me ask you, or just make this statement, if a business suffers too many losses, it closes its doors. If a company suffers too much losses, it starts to lay off people, get rid of its employees. When a church suffers too often, too, too many losses, people go to hell. We must, have the God's, we must have God's power if we want to experience spiritual success. If we're going to have His power, we must be a clean people. We should never underestimate the amount of damage that one can cause. Think about this. Abraham nearly lost his wife when he went into Egypt. The boat Jonah was riding nearly sunk because of Jonah's sin. 70,000 people died in Israel because of David's disobedience and when he numbered the people and God told him not to. You might think that you, your sin is insignificant, but it can ruin your life and zap the life, the power of our church. It can devastate your family and leave you totally in ruin. It can destroy your life and leave you broken and defeated. No Christian can sin without affecting others. We need to get a hold of that. I, I've, heard, I've heard teenagers say, why do my parents care? It's my life. Or I've heard dad say this. It's only my life. It doesn't affect my kids. Oh, yes, it does, sir. Oh, yes, ma'am, it does. Your sins do affect others. But then I want you to notice the terrible sentence. In verse 16 through 21, just for the sake of time, the sinner's confronted. The process that God used to point out Achan's sin, God knew who was guilty. Think about it. Why didn't he just tell Joshua who, was looking, who he was looking for? In my opinion, he was given Achan time to confess and get right. I may be wrong, but I believe God is long-suffering. And he wants us. Why doesn't God just, right, I mean, when you sin, why doesn't God just, right then, why doesn't he just punish us? Because God's long-suffering and Another part of God is He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to say, Lord, I'm, 
I've sinned against you and you alone have I sinned. God wants that in our lives. See, he was given Achan time to repent and confess his sins. Achan squandered many opportunities to confess and repent. Be that it may, the finger of God was getting closer and closer to Achan. This lesson needs to be heeded. God already knows your sins and his finger is getting closer and closer. One day soon he will point out those things in your life that needs to be revealed. It's only a matter of time until the finger of God is pointing at you. It will not and cannot be hidden forever. One day your sin will find you out. You may try, but you can't hide it from God. Now notice that Achan's sin has been revealed. It has, been, it has to be dealt with. Notice two aspects of this section. There was compassion. Verse 19, let's read that. Verse 19, it says, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Achan finally, or I'm sorry, when Joshua speaks to Achan, he speaks of compassion with his heart. He knows that Achan is condemned, but Joshua still cares for this man who, who brought so much trouble to Israel. In this passage, Joshua is a picture of the Lord. While God hates sin with uh, his entire being, he still loves the sinner. Even though man is in enmity of God, God still commands men to repent and come to him for forgiveness. If you have sin in your life today, you need to remember that God is loving and He's long-suffering and He's gracious and He exhibits His greatness by cleansing sinners. You need to come to Him before it's too late. But then, not only is there compassion, but there's confession. Look there in verse 20 and 21. It says this, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils of the goodly a Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. In these two verses, Achan finally confesses his sin. Achan showed how he showed, sign, he showed no signs of remorse or repentance. Just because you confess, that's not repentance. He only confessed his sins because he got caught. At this point, it would have been possible, impossible for him to hide it anyways. Achan is like some others in the Bible. Think about this. Pharaoh, Balaam, Judas. Some confessed their sins and were forgiven. David. What makes the difference? David was confronted with his sins. He confessed it, and afterwards he was forgiven. So did Nineveh. What was the difference? David and Nineveh were sincere in their repentance. There was, they were sorry for their sins. Achan was only sorry that, they got, that he got caught. You ever been there? I remember as a kid. I pulled this little, girl's, this little girl's hair. I know, I did it. Confession's good for the soul, I guess they say. But I, it was last week. No, it was when I was like four or five years old. And my mom says, you tell her you're sorry. 
I got four whoopings because I was stubborn. I didn't want to tell her I was sorry. And then finally, she broke me down and I said I was sorry. I wasn't sorry that I did it. I was sorry I got caught. And that's where Achan is here. See, this is not God's method of handling sin. God, God's way is for people to be open and honest about their sin. God's way is for His people to throw the covers off their sins and tell Him the truth that He already knows. He can bless a people who handle sin in a biblical way. However, the person who tries to hide his sins will never prosper, but will face God in judgment. You see, you will confess your sins one way or the other. You can confess them where, uh, conf- uh, uh, where, where the confession will make a difference, or you will do it when you face the Lord in judgment. Another problem with Achan is found in verse 21. Achan calls the thing spoils. Now, the word refers to the booty, okay, as a, a pirate term. Uh, that is, uh, conquering army claims can claim the, uh, the spoils, the, uh, and this is, these things were the spoils. God said in Joshua 6.18 that these things belonged to him. They were not to be gifts of Israel, but they were to, these were to be placed in the house of Israel, the treasury of Israel. God calls the items of Jericho the accursed thing. This phrase refers to which is devoted or dedicated. Achan had his stolen treasure buried in his tent, but he could not use any of it. Think about that. To use it would expose him of his sin. Achan sinned and died for nothing. Think about that for a while. The items he stole were of no good to him at all. Here's a truly sad part of the story. Achan lost his life and commended his family to death because he took things that were dedicated to the Lord for his use only. Imagine how he must have justified his choice of what he did. Well, we've been working so hard. I deserve this. After all, there's so much spoil anyways. I'll just take a few things to help my family out. Those few items cost Achan everything. Had Achan been patient for just a few more days... He could have satisfied his needs and his greeds. This is where we all get in trouble. We want what we want and we want it now. We never stop to think that God might have something far better for us. If we would just be patient and wait on him. See this just reminds us what sin really is. Sin is man seeking to fulfill a legitimate need in an illegitimate manner. But then I want you to notice the sinners condemned. In verse 22 through 26, these verses gives us a sad conclusion of what happens here. Achan and all that he had was taken and stoned to death. The tower of stone stood as a reminder to all those that came by that there was a criminal that was buried there. 
By the way, the heap of stones stood as a warning to everyone who passed by that way. It was a vivid reminder of the high cost of sin. The name of the valley was called Achor, which, which the word means trouble. And that was what God said would happen to a person who took the spoils of Jericho. The word trouble means to stir up. It speaks of troubling of waters. It would, uh, if you're going to sin, you'll need to know that you're headed for trouble. If you're a child of God you have, and you have sin in your life that has not been confessed and that you have not repented of, you need to know that your life is a hindrance to your family and to your church. You also need to know that God will chasten you and bring you back into his will. I've seen it time and time again, folks, the chasing hand of God on people's lives. I've seen also people that have said they were Christians and living and living and living in sin with no consequences, no chasing hand of God. I say this, if you're not experiencing the chasing hand of God and you're living in sin, I would see if I'm really a child of God. Because God says that he would chastens those that he loves. And he says that he chastens his children. You'll notice in verse 24 and 25 tells us that Achan's whole family suffered the same fate as he did. Why? When Achan brought that sin into his tent, he brought suffering and affliction upon the people he loved the most in this world. At the end of the day, whatever the reason Achan did this was because he loved himself more than he loved his God. The things we do affect all those around us. Our children are shaped by the things that they observe in our lives. That is the essence of Deuteronomy 5.9, which says, I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Some things you can't hide. Don't have an aching, breaking heart because be sure your sins will find you out. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you have an aching heart this morning, God has a cure. If you have sin hidden in your life, the Lord can forgive you and restore you for His glory. Come to Him while there's time. Come before judgment befalls you. Come so that renewal and revival can come to your family and to your church. We've got a revival planned here in just a, about a month and a half. And I'm going to try to get our hearts. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best with the Lord's help. I'm going to try to prepare our hearts for our upcoming revival that God may do a work in our midst. I'm asking you this morning to examine your hearts. You're not hiding anything from the one that matters. Oh, you're hiding it from me. I don't matter. You may be able to hide it from your spouse. They matter, but they don't matter as much as God matters. You can't hide it from God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the good and the evil. As you examine your hearts this morning, maybe you're here and you say, I've never even trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I've never been saved. 
Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know for sure if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. Pastor, please pray for me. Anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? Anyone? Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I don't know for sure if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. I'm saved, but I've got some sin in my life. Pastor, I'm saved, but there's some things. God knows about it. I've tried to hide it, but God knows about it. Most importantly, He knows. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but that's you this morning. I'm going to ask you to find a place at the altar. You say, well, then people are going to know. No, because there's going to be some people that God just spoke to their hearts this morning. I just want you to be obedient to however God spoke to you. Be obedient to Him this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you know each situation. You know what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. And God, I pray that if there's one here that's not saved, that today be the day of salvation. Lord, for those that there's some sin in their lives, some things that's not right, Lord, I pray that you will reveal that to us this morning. Lord, that we do not hinder your power, your presence in our church, in our lives, in our families. God, I pray that you would have your free will and working in our lives. Thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to begin playing softly. Would you stand to your feet? God has spoke to your heart. Would you come? Would you come? God spoke to you. I want God to bless Putnamville Baptist Church. I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless your family. Examine your heart. more time through. All right, thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. We want to give you just a couple announcements. I want to remind you that um, next Sunday uh, afternoon service, we'll have missionary David Canney. He's um, trying to raise support to go to the mission field. And so uh, he's going to be in our second service. So ask you to plan on sticking around for that. And then on March the 7th is our prayer breakfast. Uh, our mission of the week, uh, Samuel and Katie Nalasco. Our Deacon Week, Brother Ed Buchanan. Our Family Week, Brother Adam, Evelyn, Jane, and Andrew Amos. Our Trustee Week, Brother Phil Bousman. Remember these folks in your prayers, if you would, please. All right, let's go ahead and have the men come.
forward, take up this morning's tithes and offerings. Good to have Miss Jamie with us this morning. She's doing a little bit better from her surgery, so we praise the Lord for that. All right. Brother Luke, sir, would you please ask a blessing? take a five-minute break and then come right back in here for our afternoon service. Let's have a word of prayer. Brother Danny, sir, would you please?